Welcome to another Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of CFE's news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be talking about the latest dev update, some thoughts on Grey Morrow and Captain Flameheart, as well as the festival of giving on December 11th. Deck the halls, all that and more on this week's episode of Keel Hall Podcast. First up on today's docket, I did want to talk about some interesting speculation about a random thought I had recently in Sea of Thieves, because recently we've been getting the uh, Tall Tale 10, which gives us the Seabound Soul, and kind of uncover some information about some different pirates that we know, but don't know a whole lot, or maybe even if they are or aren't connected. So I wanted to bring up some speculation that I had in regards to Grey Morrow. Now, Captain Greymorrow, as you know, is one of the skeleton lords that we have fought in Tall Tales 7 and 8, uh, helping release the trapped souls of the crew of the Morningstar. And with Greymorrow, uh, we have learned that he is actually imbued with some special powers, uh, maybe that he learned, maybe that he earned, it's hard to tell, but mostly that he is able to lock souls within objects or within bodies. And recently we found out, thanks to Tall Tale 10, the Seabound Soul, that the uh, great Captain Flameheart, uh, who I believe to be senior, is in fact trapped within his body. So one of the ideas that I had was, would it be possible to suggest that Captain Flameheart is trapped by Captain Greymorrow. And when Captain Flameheart speaks at the end of Tall Tale 9, he gives quite the lengthy rant and talks about how he was uh, betrayed by his kind. And it makes me wonder if he's talking about skeletons. And if he's talking about skeletons, then that's great. But if he was killed as a human, that's a little tougher to work out. And that's something where we have to go back into the past to take a look at what we have and try to suss out just based on the small amount of information that we have, what could feasibly be possible. Now, I've been in a pretty good discussion uh, and debate with Voodoo Icon on Twitter about this, something that even caught the eye of Mike Chapman, where we kind of dive into the tall tales or the tales from the Sea of Thieves books, where in one of the first few pages, it actually talks about Captain Flameheart Jr., speaking about his father and how his father was a pirate and he told his son tales uh, of of the adventures that he had um, both when he was uh, uh, adopted as a child but also later on as he was growing and says that his father was always there for him and that his father eventually settled down on a, a magnificent ex estate uh, in which Flameheart Jr. is actually uh, residing as he begins his story about how he wants to become a pirate. Some of the things that are suggested by uh, Voodoo in particular is, is that Flameheart Sr. actually died in or outside of the Sea of Thieves, which would make it relatively tough for Grey Morrow to be the one who ended up killing him and trapping his soul. And we got into a bit of debate about how uh, the semantics of settling down. Does, when someone settles down, are they calming down or are they retiring? Um, unfortunately, with the information that we're given, there's not a whole lot uh, of, of 
detail. Um, I mean, I obviously for most people, you will listen to that and you'll think settled down means retired. So obviously he would have stayed at his estate and stayed there. But uh, just based on the Athena's fortune, I know that Ramses at one point must have settled down to have the uh, the the Singh twins, or I don't know if they're twins, but brother and sister, uh, Lissetti and DeMarco. And at some point, he actually made it back to Sea of Thieves uh, to confront Ramses um, on the Shores of Gold, uh, where he had become that cursed creature that we uh, that we now know as the Gold Hoarder. So even though, say, Ramses was probably retired and may not have actually said that he was retired, he definitely gave up uh, the, the drive to be uh, a pirate and steal treasure and have adventures. He eventually kind of calmed down and, and made his way back to the Sea of Thieves uh, or outside the Sea of Thieves to actually um, get to have a family and, and enjoy some of that life that he, he had had on the other ends. So um, I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to pose it to you as the listener. Is it possible that if Grey Morrow had gotten in contact with uh, Flameheart Sr. before he had passed away, could he have cursed his body so that when he did die, say if he died uh, of natural causes, that um, he would have been able to rise back up as a skeleton lord that he is and make his way back to the Sea of Thieves? Um, one of the things that uh, that kind of picks at my brain in this argument of whether or not uh, uh, Flameheart Sr. died outside the Sea of Thieves is um, how did the ship bearing his coffin uh, bring him back to Sea of Thieves to be buried in the Devil's Roar? Um, it seems like one of those things that people would have noticed a galleon uh, with a, a crew of undead sailing to, to get to his estate to pick up his body. Also, it doesn't talk too much about uh, or, or things that also kind of bug me, not so much that things are talked about, but things that kind of bug me about this theory is that we know that the Flaming Blade was, in fact, Captain Flameheart Sr.'s ship, a ship that was actually chasing after uh, Ramses uh, as they were searching for the Shroudbreaker. Um, in the first tall tale, it expresses how the Burning Blade, Captain Flameheart's ship, was chasing after him. And it's it's hard to know like at what point did captain flameheart senior live become a pirate travel to sea of thieves a mass amount of reputation because I, I can't really say gold but i can i can speak to his reputation come back adopt a child fairly shortly after birth raise that child and then end up a skeleton lord there's this huge gap of time that that isn't covered in the one page of a book that speaks about uh, Captain Flameheart as a captain, a Captain Skeleton Lord, but we know that he sailed uh, with the with with a pirate captain who is just referred to as Captain C A P N or Captain, and we don't know anything about Captain. We know that he trained Flameheart, or that Flameheart was at least part of his crew, and that at some point. Flameheart got his own ship. We don't know if he killed Captain and took the ship. We don't know if Captain bestowed a ship to him and he took command of a new ship to help with an armada. But we do know that Captain Flameheart at one point was a skeleton scourge. Uh, we don't know for sure. Well, actually, you know, it's hard to even say that's accurate because 
we don't know if the burning blade was crewed by humans um i just assume that it was that it was was skeletons but to, in in all honesty I, I can't actually say because it seems like captain flameheart had a bit of an affinity for ships and fire um the burning blade obviously indicative of the burning cannonballs that it fired on ships as it sailed around uh that is evident in tall tale one and also with uh the ashen dragon the the trusted ship that was uh, uh in in used basically to take his coffin to the devil's roar after recovering it and being attacked by multiple galleons for the sake of, of good treasure, uh, they managed to sink other galleons uh, using flaming cannonballs as well. So there's obviously a correlation between what Flameheart likes to use as, as his main type of uh, weaponry when it comes to ships, um, kind of keeping in brand with his, with his name. But we don't know much more about that. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that the likelihood of Captain Grey Morrow being the one who entrapped his soul within his body uh seems less likely but it's interesting that uh that that um captain arthur sir arthur pendragon isn't aware of captain flameheart uh and wasn't the one that trapped his soul that captain flameheart mentioned being trapped uh by his or, or i'm trying to remember it was betrayed i think it was betrayed by his kind uh which is another interesting uh thing to understand is is if that's the case then who actually betrayed him um and and we're trying to understand like if if he was betrayed by his kind what skeletons would betray him uh or if he was betrayed by his human kind um, the kind of people that he doesn't consider himself anymore because he's a skeleton and he was betrayed by his humankind and his humankind uh, killed him and that's how he became a skeleton lord after his body was trapped. Or maybe maybe this is even the start of Captain Flameheart's skeleton reign and that he, uh, he, he kind of was out on the sea uh, thieves as a, a, as a, a, a very vicious and, and reputable pirate um, as a human the whole time. And we've only ever seen pictures of Captain Flameheart as a skeleton. So it's always been assumed that his reputation is based on being a skeleton and not a human. And I wonder if we'll ever see him as a human and understand if that was something that um, was before he, he was cursed and killed. It's There's so many questions in right now. And uh, some of this kind of falls back on the conversation that I had last week where I was talking about um, this being the start uh, of the next character story arc that we're going on as we kind of get into this new set of tall tales. Uh, it'll be interesting to see or interesting to see if Rare is going to continue down the numbered path with the tall tales. So the next one in line will be tall tales one, or if they'll consider the current tall tales, uh, one chapter in a story. And the next chapter will focus on a different arc that doesn't follow the same story arc as, um, what I would say is the gold hoarders. Uh, the Shores of Gold is essentially the Gold Herders. It was interesting that the Seabound Soul itself uh, wasn't numbered similar to the way that the original nine were. And I'm starting to think that maybe if we get more Tall Tales that they will start to 
break those into actual chapters. Uh, so something like one through nine will be chapter one, uh, 10 through uh, 18 will be chapter two, things like that, that will kind of uh, give us a, a better flow through for what story we're actually following on as we kind of move through the these lore generated missions. It's um, it, to kind of get back to the original statement. Um, I really appreciate uh, Voodoo Icon for debating with me. It was a lot of fun to see if we could poke holes in each other's arguments. And essentially, what it came down to was a disagreement about uh, the how how finite or how 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 final terms like settling down are uh, because in my mind you know if you settle down you may slow down you may not quit entirely but there's been plenty of things where uh, people have retired and then come out of retirement so it's not it's not a foreign concept and to think of retirement um, as, as like a com- quitting of jobs completely I, I tend to think of retirement as retiring from this career um, to, to move on to do something that you want to do, whereas most people will generally retire to escape having to work. Um, it just doesn't seem like such a, a feasible concept in, in our current generation and for future generations. I think we'll probably have to work for a very long time um, unless you happen to make it to a, a, a place in your life where you can actually put away quite a bit of money uh, for the future. So, I wanted to say thanks, uh, Voodoo. He 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 really knows his lore. He was really good at um, kind of talking to different points. And I wanted to thank uh, uh, he and his wife for for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate that. And uh, look forward to future discussions about lore because I, I love when we get in the weeds and we start nitpicking little things and seeing if there are discrepancies uh, in in the lore because. Right now, it's it's kind of a little weird. We don't. This is always kind of the problem when we have lore discussions because, to be perfectly honest, it's hard to know if what we're saying now is accurate because of the information we have, or because it's accurate because that's how it, it always is. Like, uh, we don't quite know what's going to happen with Wanda, but with Wanda. I'm pretty sure we're going to find out pretty soon because uh, according to a tweet that came out from Rare, Sea of Thieves account, there is going to be a new update on December 11th. Next up on today's docket, let's dive into the weekly dev update. Now, Dev updates are always weekly, but they don't always have as much information as they do as this one. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, if I'm if if I'm being a hundred percent honest here, there wasn't a whole lot of information, but it was what you had to read between the lines that I think was really really nice. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, which hopefully you did, uh, you'll have known that or you'll know that I spoke about how there are some truly frustrating bugs in this game and that those bugs are really kind of hindering some of the 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 joy that you have when playing and this seems to be a very large sentiment uh, within the Sea of Thieves community overall. Even people that I don't normally hear talk about these kind of things are starting to come out. And uh, they're, they're, there's good reason. There's some interesting uh, thoughts behind what we could be looking at in the future and what we hope for soon. So to get back to, to the point that I was trying to make, 
the dev update video announced that the December 11th update, the Festival of Giving, will be a little bit lighter as far as content, but what it will bring are some quality of life improvements, specifically towards combat. Now, this is just what's spoken about. This isn't necessarily everything that's coming. I very much assume that when we do get a chance to see the final uh, patch notes, that there's actually going to be uh, quite a bit more actually finished uh, as far as bug fixes, which if, if this is what I'm hoping and the, the, these quality of life fixes come in, that hopefully the game will be a lot more stable and will be having less issues. Um, there are still some, some major problems that I see with certain things that are coming that or, or things that have, have happened that are frustrating, um, namely the, the way that we can anticipate uh, servers being merged and uh, the, the technology that they've used to help kind of shift people from servers that uh, are low pop to servers that are high pop as uh, more and more people uh, start and quit and new servers get ramped up. That whole process has become completely obscured to how that works. Uh, before, if you were on a dead server, until you actually dropped your anchor or say you got to uh, all everyone off the island and or everyone on the island and everyone back on the or onto the ship it would hold off on merging you to a new server typically that would be a good way to test and see if you were on a dead server is just to drop anchor and, and see if you got merged and if you did then you could anticipate seeing a, a, a bunch of new crew but Part of the problem uh, comes back to something I think I actually mentioned quite a bit ago where I was talking about how frustrating it is to try and plan out your night when you're on a server that is dying and doesn't have as many people. And as you kind of plot your course, you're trying to go out and do stuff. If you get merged halfway through that list of things to do, it's frustrating because not only are you on a foreign server, but you don't have the things that you were planning on doing, say like uh, emergent things as far as um, skeleton ships, forts, uh, reaper's chests, things like that. Things that actually uh, draw that um, um, kind of desire to have an immersive gameplay style as opposed to something that's so uh, 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 straightforward with like a voyage. So things like that I would definitely love to see worked on but to get to, to get to the actual video Joe talked about combat tweaks and how a lot of these combat tweaks are going to be focused uh, on making it so that the sword play feels more fluid because right now it's everything but fluid it doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel like when I'm actually playing with a sword that I can depend on a sword swing um, being like a natural movement for me like if I swing my sword and I miss it I'm I'm getting three four maybe five clicks of, on my mouse in before I, I get to actually swing again and I don't actually know what that that time is between swings if I miss so that's getting shortened so I should be able to reliably swing my sword and then swing my sword again even if I miss um they're also speaking about how if you successfully block a, a sword a sword blow with yours, if you actually if you actually block a, a sword blow, then you're going to be able to recoup uh, after that. There's no longer going to be a stun that is is locking you in place, making it harder to retaliate because that's 
that should be the payoff is if you successfully block sword blows like three successive sword blows then the opponent should be um should be actually penalized for that like they should they they get knocked back and you should be able to retaliate because you were prepared uh the other thing that they're they're talking about is making the equip delay uh, part of the sword as well too. So if you if you're familiar with how they tackled the um, the the double double gun uh, thing that was going on back uh, almost God almost a year ago. It was about a year ago when when double gun started getting so rampant that uh, people were starting to really complain about it on the forums and and Reddit. And subsequently, the fix to that was to add a, a delay between when you actually pull out your pistol or your blunderbuss or your eye of reach that mechanic is actually being brought to swords as well so when you are planning on on attacking someone with your sword expect a bit of a delay uh, between when that happens um, they did say that they're going to be doing other things that will help with uh, people on pc who are macroing uh, the sword swing because right now uh, if you if you want to you can set up a macro uh, that what it'll do will um, cancel the animation for the the delay between swings by stowing and, and unstowing your uh, sword. So effectively, you get infinite swings, uh, every, like one swing, stow, bring it back out, swing, stow, bring it back out. And if you macro that, you can effectively stun lock someone, uh, killing them instantly. Well, not instantly, but you know within a short amount of time. And hopefully that gets fixed because that's that's kind of a, a really, really bad break in how the actual gameplay is designed, uh, how the actual uh, sword play is designed and needs to be broken so that people can't macro that. Uh, they also talked about being able to get a kind of a... Um, it's hard to hard to like a tracer for like gun rounds where you shoot something and you can kind of see the the path that it takes when you swing your sword you're going to get these little sword trails so you'll understand what direction the sword swing is actually uh swinging at um i don't necessarily know why this was something that they're adding but it's another visual indicator for you if if that's what you need then that's what you get you get to see that actual sword slash and uh, what they're planning on doing is something that will help give you more information about what damage uh, you're taking is or what direction the damage that you're taking is coming by offering kind of directional uh, indicators on the screen. So if you're getting hit from behind, then that should show uh, down at the bottom. Whereas if you're getting hit from the front, you should be should be seeing damage indicators from the front. Likewise, if you're getting hit on your left side, it should be on the left side of the screen, right side, right side. Uh, I like this. It, it, brings, it brings a little more information for players to understand so they can better deal with incoming damage uh, to know like who's hitting them from where. And hopefully, ah, this was something that came up on a thread about uh, accessibility. And there's, there is uh, a lot that Sea of Thieves or that the team at Rare has done to try and bring more inclusion with, um, with, with disabled uh, people 
who who have a hard time being able to to see things they brought in colorblind modes they brought in uh, reduce the hold items so that it's easier to hit a button and, and have the actual interaction happen without necessarily having to hold down a button and one of the things that I was hoping that they would bring is uh, a way to visually show uh, audible cues things that that people know like if you're if you're playing Sea of Thieves you definitely know what it sounds like when someone lights a keg and drops it at your feet but if you can't hear you'll never hear that you'll never you'll never know that until it's too late and there's a finite amount of time so I've been trying to think of ways that they could do uh, a captioned mode uh, where they could actually put up captions if something happens near them that might be a deadly threat uh, or just things in general to help try and implement a way to uh, bring people who uh, can't hear a, a way to, to still play the game without missing very, very important cues as far as like a megalodon spawning or a ship spawning or a kraken happening or someone grabbing the ladder or someone swimming near your ship or a powder keg or a powder keg skeleton or a, a proper clue that you you unlock after doing a tall tale things like this that if you aren't necessarily looking at something then uh, we would rely on the audible cue for that but if you can't hear it then that's lost and that's important information especially in a game that relies so heavily on audible, uh, audible cues for things so I like that Rare is listening to the feedback and are so able to or are able to start quickly implementing some of these desires to work on some of the the current system mechanics for the game. Um, just to bring up one more point, I wanted to bring up uh, Jeff Pegleg Perez, who if you've ever been in the shop, you've seen his Pegleg for sale. And he actually brings up uh, a four line or a four thread or four post thread on Twitter uh, discussing Sea of Thieves and his thought of the day. Uh, he speaks out and says that another year is wrapping up and the state of Sea of Thieves is marvelous. The framework laid out in March of 2018 has matured into a robust, dynamic, and endlessly impressive experience for those who like to live the simulated buccaneer life. With the experience of the game settled well into a monthly groove, here are some things I would like to see added slash updated slash revisited in 2020. Number one, Xbox. A 1080 60 frames per second mode for the Xbox One X. It seems odd to me, Jeff, that this wasn't offered from the get-go. Environment collision. Movement throughout the world still feels clunky and frustrating due to getting stuck on various rocks, props, shipwrecks, etc. Also, the auto-teleport to ship should be reworked to a safe spot nearby. And what he means by that is, say you're on an island and you get stuck in a tree. Instead of getting teleported back to your ship, which could be very far away, and he even explains that, uh, that instead it would just be to a safe place near to where you were. That way you can intentionally take a mermaid if you need to get back to your ship and not get forced back to your ship if you are uh, just, you know, happen to be hopping around, slip and fall in a, in a space where you can't get out 
and you you don't want to eat your arm off to 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 get out the uh well i guess he cut his arm off didn't he i can't remember i didn't watch the movie because i heard about that scene and i didn't want to get into it i'm much rather watching other stuff anyway getting on to the next point to add on to that i tweeted and uh posted a comment that one of my friends um No, I'm not going to say his name, but he knows who he is if he listens to this. Uh, He brought up a really good point that if you fall in the water off off your ship, say your ship is sailing, your ship is going full into the wind. It's got it, it actually has the wind with it. You can fall off your ship. And by the time the mermaid spawns, you can still see your ship. It doesn't have to get that far away. But if you take that merfolk taxi back to your ship it forces you into a load screen i'm not sure why that is but i would love for them to work out a way that allows you to instantly like you know snap of a finger go from the merfolk straight back to the ship just plops you down you don't have to go into a load screen and that would be nice because essentially from what I understand that's been explained to me, the assets are already loaded into what you're seeing. You're looking at your ship. You can see it. All the assets are there. Everything in the game is represented. You, it, I don't know, and, and they don't know because uh, they're game devs. I don't, I don't know anything about this, but from what they've talked to me about, they don't understand why you have to load when going into a mermaid. Moving on, Jeff goes into the last tweet, which I think is a very important one as well, too. Griefing and spawn camping needs a revisit. If nothing else, maybe a ferryman can offer an option for spawning a new ship in the same region or different region rather than the current scuttle and wind up across the map method. Really sucks on tall tales. And I actually have to agree with that. It's it's tough to be on one side of the island uh, or one side of the world, spawn in on a new ship after getting sunk or just having to scuttle your ship as a result of a, of a grieving scenario and end up with a, uh, a new ship very far away because it takes roughly about 30 minutes uh, if you have no wind to get across the, the seas. Uh, last time I, I checked, it may not be exactly 30 minutes. It could be shy of that, but it definitely takes quite a while. It's at least 10. And I, I think that's a really good point. I think that's a great idea to, to have us take a look and see if there's a way that we can talk to the ferryman and choose where we want to go as opposed to just being automatically dropped on a ship somewhere, uh, essentially we have to be sent back to somewhere. And if we're going to be sent back somewhere, then it usually loads us on a, an island on a ship that's uh, pretty far away. So I just wanted to bring these up because, uh, again, this seems to be a, a fairly big topic in the community. And it would be it, it would be bad of me to not address some of the issues that I think people are having with the game and uh, reasons why they they are hoping that their voices can be heard by Rare so that they understand that these are important things for people to to see, understand, and then help improve the game. Not necessarily by bringing content, because we uh, while while we appreciate all the content that we get, uh, it doesn't help us if we aren't having fun playing the game because of issues that are dragging down the experience. Because there's there's honestly there's just a bug in the code that is is breaking it for us and we lose the immersion we lose the desire to play because of that and we want to play but it's hard when you're you're running into so many issues like this um 
that was basically kind of the the main thing as far as the the uh, Sea of Thieves um, dev update went. There are some there there is some good news. Uh, I will say that I'm looking forward to potentially. I don't know for sure because it, this is all still new ground for us. We're still within the second year. And one of the things that they had last year was the Gilded Voyages. Now, if you got a Gilded Voyage, you could hang on to it for however long, however long you wanted. It didn't matter. You could save it for all year, and you could now have, have another one if you wanted to. But with the Gilded Voyages, uh, it was a good opportunity for you to get a lot of gold. You would get one voyage. It would be a very stacked voyage. And if you completed it, you came out ahead, uh, I think... If I remember correctly, it was on average around 50,000 gold, which may not be as much as it used to be uh, back when we didn't have things like Reaper's chests and things like that. But it is, it's still a fair amount of gold. It's better than a fort in probably less time. So hopefully those are coming back with the December update. Uh, we'll know more later on. And I'll be talking about more uh, in next week's episode after we get the update and we get a chance to dive in and see what's going on with it. Um, one of the cool things that they did talk about that was going to be starting as uh, at the start of December is the Black Market Archive. Now, a lot of people have a lot of stuff going on during this time of year, whether it's playing other games or visiting family, working more, getting prepared for the holidays, all of those things tend to factor in a lot when it comes to what time you have to play the game. And one of the things that they're doing is taking the merchandise that is available for the black market, which is now being represented by Build Rats in the form of Stitcher Jim, something I'm still not very happy about, but I'll, we'll figure that out later. And uh, they're taking those items and making them available uh, after the time that they were originally set for. So if you can't necessarily purchase something right away in December, then in January, you should have the opportunity to still buy that. Uh, I don't know as many details about that uh, yet, but when we do get more details on how and what that will apply to, I'll definitely be talking about that so you can understand better uh, along with myself if there's a chance that we we can kind of pick and choose and not have to worry so much about time limited content the major problem that i see with this is a glut of cosmetics uh infiltrating an already um prime store for glut of cosmetics this this is a problem that i'm noticing is when you build a game around cosmetics as the thing that defines you and you build a system that allows players to have the same style of clothing, but with a different color palette, you start running into this, this huge amount of cosmetics that just keep adding up and adding up and adding up. And this is a problem when you feel like you have to get as much of it as you can. Now, obviously, people are out there who have purchased everything. I've finally gotten to the point where I'm okay letting some things go, uh, knowing that there, there might be a chance for them to come later. But I'm, I'm getting to a phase where I realize there's maybe three or four outfits that I have that I, I enjoy wearing, 
but I don't stray too far from unless something new comes in that really kind of piques my interest and then I'll work it into whatever I'm wearing. But essentially what we're running into is a lot of new clothing. And a lot of that clothing are just recolors of content that we already have or used to have in prior events. So I really, and, and I know this is something that will probably not go well with the rare devs, uh, but there seriously needs to be consideration to an idea or a way to build a system that allows us to take clothing that we have and recolor it how we wish giving us a dye system, giving us a way to change the color of the clothings that we have and, and find a new way to get the gold out of our pockets and into the system. Because currently we, we, we have one way of transferring doubloons to gold, but we don't have a way to transfer gold to doubloons. And doubloons are starting to become more and more of the currency that is desired because a lot of people tend to already have a lot of gold. So the thing that they want to make sure that they have is doubloons. And Rare really needs to start start considering or at least start talking about it. If you guys have a plan, Rare, if you're listening to me right now, if you have a plan on how to address the surplus of gold and eventual surplus of doubloons, I would love to understand how you plan on tackling that 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 trouble in my mind because we're not there yet. We're there with gold. We're we're basically there with gold, where a majority of people have enough gold to buy whatever they want when they want it. And if they won't, you're letting us get it later on. So there's really no reason for us to buy it right away. So that doesn't cut that out. But what about doubloons? What, what, is the, what is the plan, what is the future uh, prospects for how to plan around having so many doubloons that you don't necessarily need? I have friends that have 3,000 doubloons. I've seen more than that online. There's no way that they're going to need to spend that many doubloons on the content that's coming out. And at the rate that they're gaining them, it's easy for them to outpace the amount of content that is available for doubloons. And because of that, it's going to become less of a concern for them. They're going to care less about the loot. They're going to be uh, more out just for griefing and not necessarily just trying to find treasure from other people. There's, it's, it's a... It's a hard problem to solve. Uh, I'm glad I'm not necessarily the one that has to do it, but I would love to broach the topic so that we can actually start bringing up some of these things with the community to see what a good way to fix the economy issue is. Now, maybe some people are probably looking at this and saying, well, there doesn't need to be a problem or there doesn't need to be a fix with the economy. Everything's cosmetic. It doesn't in influence power at all. So why does it matter how much people have? Well, when you have a lot of stuff, you don't necessarily need more of it. So what do you do when you have all the gold you need and you don't care about treasure? What do you care about? You probably care about experiences and those experiences could be positive or negative depending on what you what you like to do in the Sea of Thieves. If you're a, a negative uh, experience type person or at least a, an aggro type person, then you're gonna go out hunting people 
and instead of uh, having any kind of threat of any treasure that you take, then you, you, you're basically going to just continue to go hunt them because it's not about the treasure. It's about the, 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 <laughs> it's the glory of being a, a, a cutthroat pirate and uh, not about the gold. So I, I would love for them, again, I, I'm got to be on the soapbox. I don't know how many times I have to, but I still would like to hear the argument for why crates of supplies can't be purchased. Why isn't that something that can't be purchased? Um, and, and why do they feel like that's a, a thing that they don't want to, to dive in? Because from my perspective, and granted, this is my perspective, I'm one dude sitting here in, in with armchairs down trying to tell people how to develop a game that I have no clue how it works, uh, that the system that we have right now is headed for the same spot that we were in a year ago when they first introduced doubloons as more than just time-limited event cosmetics when they started building up this, this system for us to get doubloons for cosmetics and then started releasing recolors of cosmetic sets that we used to have available to us at exorbitant gold prices uh, to try and cut into that that millions of gold uh, that people have in their in their their stashes. Um, sorry if this was really long winded. This is I'm just I should just title this my grief with Sea of Thieves because I feel like this is all this this episode has been. But again, th these are not my words most of the time. These are are your guys's words. These are your words that I'm hearing and I'm trying to put out there so that anyone that's listening to rare has a semblance of the frustrations that the community is 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 having uh as as at least in the circle that i'm in and i like to think that my circle is rather big that i try to listen to as many people as i can uh with as much time as i have um but a lot of that's dependent on you as the listener to inform me, is this something that you're experiencing? Is this something that is frustrating you? Am I just hearing the loudest voices like I, I expect that I typically am with these kind of things and that the majority of people are fine and don't care about any of this stuff and it's not a big deal and it's so overblown that really I should have just cut this whole thing down to maybe three minutes and moved on with something else by now. Let me know. I, I would love to hear more people's thoughts on how they feel about the state of the game. Because really, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just one person with a few people that are talking to me in the Sea of Thieves community that are expressing the same thoughts that I'm having. And I want to know if I'm wrong on that. So let me know. Just keeps expanding Adding more adventures for your crew Every month new updates landing Bringing ways to play and things to do Settle back and fill your tank And raise a glass to days of yore Make sure that you're firmly anchored Here's a taste of all that's gone before now, if you're enjoying that as much as I am this holiday season, then you'll be happy to know that the song, which is a take on Deck the Halls, is now out available on basically every single streaming service for music you can imagine, whether you listen to Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify, all of the different versions, as well as some uh, UK 
specific ones uh, that I noticed, and uh, Title. if anyone's still paying for Title, Sea of Thieves has released their version of Deck the Halls, Deck the Hulls, with a great kind of tribute to Sea of Thieves as a game. Now, the song is, I believe, oh, you know, I should have paid more attention when I was about to say this, three minutes, 43 seconds of the history for Sea of Thieves. And I sat down, and to the best of my ability, granted my earring is not what it used to be, uh, but for the best of my ability, I went and wrote down all of the lyrics, typed it all out, posted a cute little JPEG of it for Twitter, and put that out into the world. So if you listen to it, you should be able to hear all of the different events and features that have been brought to the game. Maybe not everything, but enough to make some good rhythm uh, for Deck the Halls and find out kind of what's been added to the game chronologically. Now, there's one thing that I did want to bring up that I thought was interesting, and it has to do with towards the end of the actual song. Did you catch that? I don't know if you did, but if you didn't, go back and listen to it again. At the very end, they talk about purchasing pets with ancient coin from ancient caches and bringing them to your crew. And then, I don't know who, but they happen to say, here boy. And there was a little bit of a whimper, as if to suggest maybe dogs? I don't know. I honestly don't know if... That was because if you think about it, Rare has a lot of dogs at their studio. So it would not surprise me based on the fact that they sold a uh, calendar just of the dogs of Rare that they were just kind of tossing that in for fun because uh, it's kind of an easy way to explain pets as opposed to trying to talk about monkeys or parrots. But if this is maybe just a, a teaser, just a small teaser that they tossed in for for the 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 people out there like me who love listening to this now bear in mind i i listen to this song a lot part of it for fun but also i wanted to get the lyrics so as i'm trying to write these things down verbatim i couldn't help but get stuck on that bit and i listened to it over and over and over again and for for the life of me i swear that this is like a it's like a hidden easter egg that they're in rare loves doing these little teases that they're teasing that dogs might be coming as pets maybe soon i don't know man that would be kind of cool if you had a dog of course i if we did get a dog i would i would absolutely want it to be one that could attack skeletons with me or like attack pirates like i, I would want an attack dog the way i like having an attack wolf link in breath of the wild wow that was a weird reference but yeah i want an attack dog um for oh, xbox reference xbox reference who had who had an attack dog in xbox games um did max Payne have a dog i feel like one of those games had an attack dog but i can't remember from the original xbox days because that's the library that i know the best regardless i'm getting off topic here but it, it was it was cool i i love this song it's definitely one that i've been listening to a lot the holidays are here it's really fun i love this time of year um while i may not necessarily get too into it 
Uh, I do still love all the atmosphere. I've been listening to Christmas music on the drive to work every day, and I love seeing all the Christmas lights and all that good jazz. So uh, if you're having a holiday celebration this year, regardless of what you believe in uh, or don't believe in, then I, I'm hoping that you're having a good one and that this song is out there. Again, it's it's of Sea of Thieves. It's called Deck the Hulls, uh, the original game soundtrack by Sea of Thieves. You can find it. I've, I've been going through Spotify for mine, uh, and it's pretty easy because they have all of their different songs on there. So like Who Shall Not Be Returning, Reaper's Respite, The Voyage of the Secret Shine, Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Sorrow. Um, all of those different songs are all the Shroud Broken one. I love the Shroud Broken one from the Tall Tales 9. God, that's such a good song, that ending to the, uh, to the, to the actual Tall Tale. So good. Man, thank you, Robin, uh, for for bringing people on to, to work on this one as well too. Um, such a cute collaboration for some of the uh, the rare crew to come together and put out a holiday uh, themed song. And if you haven't looked at looked if you haven't checked out the album art for this, you really need to because it's the coolest pirate ugly sweater t shirt kind of pattern that I've ever seen, and I love it. And I want a sweater that like an actual sweater sweater like a knit sweater that looks like this this uh kind of design because it's it's fabulous i would wear it out i wouldn't care it would be awesome all right let's get into something else all right pirates let's see if i can kind of rapid fire some of this community content that i found uh out there or that came from you regarding the podcast or sea thieves in general uh again the dog wrote in with another email so i've been really really appreciative of these and he's coming in with some questions that i think other people might actually find interesting. So he writes in and says, uh, I may want to listen to the Spotify song uh, as it may contain a few hints. Um, I just covered that. So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Also, uh, do you know if it's possible to see other players or your crewmates in the Pirate Legend hideout if the hideout is on a different outpost? Uh, The reason I ask this is because since to get into the hideout, you have to go through a portal that could mean that all of the hideouts are the same. As far as I know, Dog. Yes, all of the different um, outposts all link up to the same pirate legend uh, tavern. Um, There have been people that have camped out in there to kill people just to grief them. There have been other people who are other other players who've run into each other at different areas in the world. I know I've done it personally as well, too. So unless things have changed, bear in mind, this was a while ago that I did this. I pretty I'm pretty sure that all of the portals lead to the same exact Athena's fortune uh, tavern. The next email that I got in asking questions uh, came in from Panic Lemming. What is your best advice for tucking? Uh, and uh, this is kind of a hard one because I'm not sure if you're talking about defending against tucking or uh, tucking in general. Um, so I actually reached out to uh, one of the, the streamers that is uh, fairly popular in Sea of Thieves that is known for tucking to see if I could get some uh, advice from them. I have not heard back, but I'm hoping that at some point uh, either I can get some information from them that they would recommend since they're kind of known for that, or maybe I can just get them onto the podcast to talk about it for a half hour or so and uh, the state of the game and stuff. So for me, right 
right off the bat, if you are planning on tucking, the best thing I can recommend is leave your ship pretty far. Cannon out to where you want to uh, get onto the ship that you're planning on tucking on and then swim a majority of the way. Make sure you have a full set of uh, shot as well as food so you can take out, take out any uh, sharks if you can, but not to take out the sharks too close to the actual ship in case there's a spotter on the ship that might hear the gunshots, uh, maybe a sword slash or something like that to actually kill sharks. I know a couple sword lunges are good, uh, but you might take a shot from them biting you and i would definitely recommend uh trying to board the ladder that is on the opposite side of where you think the pirates are going to be so if their port side is to the island then you want to board on the starboard uh and vice versa the best thing i can recommend is hold out on the ladder till you feel like it's safe uh listen very carefully to if, if you have any 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 footsteps or anything like that Bearing in mind that if you aren't wearing shoes, you're not going to hear those footsteps. Um, peg legs and shoes make sounds. Uh, bare feet do not make sounds. So just be cautious of that as you're, you're listening to try and see if anyone's on board. I would actually start recommending going to the captain's cabin and tucking behind the actual captain captain's uh, uh, chair. It's been long enough that that was a popular spot for people to tuck that I think it's kind of been forgotten. A lot of people tend to try and either tuck by, next to cannons uh, or up in crow's nests still or on the side of the ship. Um, a lot of the time, I think people are starting to forget that there's the spot behind the captain's chair in the actual captain's cabin. So you might want to give that a shot as well. Other than that, the biggest thing I can recommend is um, if you get caught and you're trying to stay on the ship, Always prioritize your health. Always make sure that you were keeping your health up. Even between like the opportunity to reload your weapon, if it means either reloading your weapon or eating uh, a coconut or a, a pomegranate to keep your health up high, go with the health because if you're dead, doesn't matter if your gun was reloaded or not. Uh, but if you can stay alive, then you've always got more time to be able to reload your gun or get in a good sword slash or things like that. Um, I would definitely recommend trying to wait as long as you can when you are tucking so that you can either coordinate with your other crew member to make a distraction so you can try and make off with some good loot. Um, the trouble is, is if you grab anything that's marked on the map like Reaper's chests, uh, those are going to be really hard to get away with. So I would definitely recommend trying to sneak off with other things. Uh, also be cautious of your mermaid when you're swimming to a ship. If you plan on tucking on that ship and that mermaid is spawning you want to try and get it to, to you want to try and approach the ship from a direction that people won't typically be looking at so either from the the side that's um opposite of wherever they're parked if you think they're on the island or towards the stern uh where where they may they may not be looking back behind them to see if there are any mermaids spawning um you can all, always try and take a rowboat too rowboats uh, are still fairly effective in getting onto a ship and some people don't always grab one when they're out sailing too so sometimes uh, you can get on their ship fairly effectively with a rowboat or if they have a rowboat a good way to get away is to grab a couple chests or whatever you're trying to grab toss it into the rowboat uh, when they aren't paying attention and then try and make off with a rowboat, rowboat once they've set sail and they may not recognize that the ship uh, has actually left the rowboat you, you and the treasure in with it now to kind of turn this on its head and play devil's advocate 
you're trying to defend against tucking. Uh, the best advice I can I can say is if there is a ship in your sea, if you can see the ship, then there's always a chance that they have somewhere left a crew member nearby that can get onto your ship. Uh, never assume that because you see the ship and it's far away that they haven't already been planning this out for a while. They could have been swimming for a while. They could be using a rowboat. Rowboats are ten tend to be a lot harder to spot out on the sea compared to an actual ship. So try and keep an eye out on ships and where they are. Try not to lose track of them when you're actually um, out on, on doing voyages or working on forts, things like that. And be very cautious, keeping a, a very open eye for mermaids because merfolk are gonna be your first clue that someone's in the water. Also keep an eye out for sharks as well too. If there's a shark swimming around and no one's been in the water for a while, that's a good clue that someone's been hanging out in the water long enough for a shark to swim up on it. The next thing I would recommend is to ensure that you're checking the ladders. Uh, and if you think that someone's trying to board your ladder, instead of standing in front of the ladder to shoot them as they're coming up it, hop on one of the railings on the side and actually see if you can get an angle uh, looking at them at a flanking position. Try and shoot them from, from the side of the ship uh, standing on the railing as opposed to waiting for, for them to actually get to the top of the ship because sometimes uh, if they are able to grab the ladder. If you use a blunderbuss or a sword, you can knock them off, but they can still grab that ladder back. Whereas if you've got a good shot on them from an angle, they're not anticipating getting shot off of it. So they're not going to be as ready so you can get more shots in. One of the other things I can recommend is anytime you come back to an island after everyone's been gone, scour the ship. Uh, head from from uh, from from bow to, to stern, from crow's nest to uh, um, uh, keel hall, and uh, uh, or keel, not keel hall. I'm thinking other things. Sorry, from from crow's nest to keel. Keep an eye out. Look on the 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 uh, the, the masts. Check the cabin's cabin or captain's cabin. Check the back railing. Um, check underneath uh, or but next to each of the uh, cannons. Keep a, a close eye out for anything and use your sword too. You can slash your sword and knock anyone out of an emote if they take damage. And it's a wide enough arc that you can generally get a good shot on just about anything. But head head to each deck and only one person really needs to do this. But if you have your lantern out and you walk, you don't run, then you're going to be more inclined to actually catch someone if they are. And if you, if you aren't sure, just use your sword. So hopefully this helps out. Hopefully this gives you an idea of some ways to kind of approach tucking if that's something that you're looking to do because you want to play that long con and actually get in there and, and try and get some good treasure out of it. Uh, or if you're trying to defend against it, um, I hope this helps out for you. And again, good luck because it's always fun to see if people can manage it. But it's definitely one of the harder things to do as opposed to uh, just taking on an entire ship and, and sinking them and taking the treasure for yourself. Uh, most of my friends generally just like to go out, sink the ship, take all the loot, and then run off with it and, and bait the other crew back into another fight uh, with all their, their treasure on their ship now. Ahoy there, Captain Logan. Bad Trevor Black here to share with you a thrilling adventure in the Sea of Thieves, the Rogue Sea Dog. 
This adventure started in the tavern of Ancient Spire Outpost. I'd be sitting there having a draw a drink of grog, listening to my favorite pirate tune in the tavern, thinking about my most recent triumphs in solving the tale of the seabound soul. My belly rumbled in hunger, and it was time to eat. I plundered some worms, leeches, and grubs in the tavern barrels and headed outside. It was a beautiful, sunny day with a peaceful breeze. I ran down to the pier to greet my most prized ship, a brigantine called the Rogue Sea Dog. There it be, with its magnificent purple hull featuring teal skulls going across the bottom, the sails with the eye-catching teal color of three purple skulls with a cutlass underneath, completed with the Kraken cannons, capstan, and wheel with the Kraken's eye in the middle of it. I had had my glorious adventures with this ship, and I was ready for one more. However, when I was about to board, I noticed a chest sitting on the pier. I opened the chest. Nothing was inside. My curiosity began to grow. I ran towards the gold hoarder's chest, and there, to my surprise, were three more chests. I opened them all, but the gold was already sold, and nothing was inside. Curiosity turned into panic as I began to imagine that the filthy sea dog who left the chests could still be here. And worse, could he be watching now? It's a trap, I yelled out, quickly ran back to my ship, jumped on board, lowered the sails, and raised the anchor. The anchor raised and I sailed away from Ancient Spire with no person in sight. With all the panic, I startled my first mate, Captain Morgan, who was sleeping in his parrot cage and now was frightened. I got him out and we began our adventure to fish. As we set sail, I noticed a red and green light to the east of the ship. Could it be the legendary myth of the reaper's chest? It be true. As clear as day. However, it was located in the feared, terrifying devil's roar. I've lost many ships sailing into the fiery, treacherous blasts of volcanic region, and I did not want to lose the rogue sea dog. But rumors have said of many doubloons for tuning in the reaper's chest, and I could not turn down this opportunity. Filled with excitement, I angled the sails and headed towards the red and green lights in the devil's roar. As I sailed towards the reaper's chest, another one had appeared. Shiver my timbers. Twice the doubloons, twice the glory, and twice the grog I can buy. I pulled out my Kraken telescope and searched for other ships. None in sight. I go down to the map and check where the chest's locations be. The first one is behind Tri-Rock Isle, east of Skull Keep Fort and west of Three Paces Seaport. As we come up to the first reaper's chest, I raise the sails to stop the ship, anchor still raised. We have reached our destination. The red light from the reaper's chest is right in front of me. And as I go to the front of the ship, ready to jump into the water, boom! The ship shakes from underneath me. I look up and a large galley with black and red sails is soaring by. Boom! 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 Three more cannonballs hit the rogue sea dog, and I can hear the bottom start to fill up. I go to the cannons, desperately load a firebomb, aim at the galley, and fire. Ah, just missed. 
The creaking of the water filling the ship is getting louder. I drop the sails and try to escape. I get back to the wheel and it's been damaged. My heart drops as my prized possession of the Kraken wheel, made from a real Kraken, is now missing two limbs. And I have to replace it with normal wood. I begin to bail furiously to avoid sinking, and I'm able to save the ship. Only three holes were made this time, and it was easily fixed. But knowing that I will not get the Reaper's chest, the first Reaper's chest was a sinking ship feeling of its own going on in the back of my mind. However, there is still one more. Thinking that the galley would set sail for the first one immediately, I could beat them to the second. I turn the ship around and head northeast to the second reaper's chest. I see the parked galley at the galleon's grave anticipated as anticipated and furiously sail by seeing it from a distance. This time, I made it to the reaper's chest unmatched. However, it may not be for long. I raise the sails and dive into the water to explore the shipwreck for the reaper's chest. I search the captain's quarters first. Nothing there, of course. And then I dive into the main part of the shipwreck. The chest is not on the first floor, and I keep searching. I find a blue mermaid gem that's worth a ton of gold, but I don't have time for that because there's only one thing on my mind, the reaper's chest. I find the chest at the very bottom, pick it up, and take it back to my ship, hoping the rogue sea dog is still there. It is. I put the reaper's chest on the deck and drop sails. I see the galley has moved from galleon's grave outpost, but I'm not taking any chances of being ambushed. So I locate the next closest outpost, dagger tooth, and set sail there. Wind at my back, I had an easy sail to the outpost with no problem, surprisingly. I always expect a kraken or a skeleton ship to pop up and ruin my plans, but not this time. It was to be not denied. <sighs> I park the ship at Daggertooth and jump on the pier with the reaper's chest in hand. I run towards the tavern, hoping nobody else is here. I'm alone, and I sell the chest and receive my long-awaited prize of 25 doubloons. But my day is not done. There is only one thing left on my mind to do. Revenge. I get to pick up some firebombs and cannonballs at the outpost, jump on my ship to find that filthy, disgusting, egregious galley that had the audacity to take the life of my rogue sea dog and first mate. Their evil deeds will not go unpunished, and I will find them. And I did. Located them northeast of the outpost and set sail. Angled all sails with the wind with me and headed right for them. They see me coming and I see their ship start to aim towards mine. We're on a path to meet and a cold chill runs down my spine. As I'm ready to get my revenge, as we get closer, I go to the front of my ship, firebombs in hand, waiting for the collision. I say goodbye to the rogue sea dog. As I know, this will be the last time I see it in a while. I take a deep breath as the ships collide. I jump onto theirs and spot two enemy pirates. I immediately throw down a firebomb and BOW! Hits the front of the ship and begins to catch fire. I run around to the top of the ship and throw another firebomb. BOW! Engaged with the mainmast and it's in fumes and flames. I'm running down to the bottom to set one, set the rest on fire. 
I make contact with the middle deck and set it on flames while dodging blunder buses and sniper bullets. However, when I went to the top again, I felt a sharp pain in my back as I was stabbed by a cutlass. With health fading, I ran to the front of the ship and threw my last firebomb into the captain's quarters. I then received my fatal blow and I was stabbed again. My last vision was seeing the entire galley that once attacked me engulfed in flames and confusion. One of the pirates caught fire and was killed. My revenge was a success. I will not I will now meet my beloved rogue sea dog once again after a visit in the Ferry of the Damned. Hope you liked it. I love listening to the podcast. I can write more adventures in the future if you do. Signed, Bad Trevor Black. Ah, Trevor Black. That was a wonderful story. Thank you so much for writing to it to me with it. Uh, I'm sorry if I botched any parts of that. This has been a story that I've been holding on to for, oh gosh, almost a couple weeks now that I've been wanting to get into the podcast, but it's one of those ones that it's it's long and I wanted to get it all uh, onto the podcast so that everyone could enjoy it. I do have one more that is on my to-do list. Uh, and this one comes in from, let me see if I can find the name it doesn't say the name so i will have uh mr windsor and mr haynes so that one will probably be next week uh pending any major issues that come along with the next update as long as things are in place and i can talk about the major points i will try to get this in uh for you since this is already a week old so if you enjoy these stories as much as i do send me yours. I would love to read your story on the podcast because it's a part of this world. Your stories make up Sea of Thieves as well as my own, and I enjoy sharing yours with everyone else as much as I enjoy reading them for my own. So if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so by email, C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. Tell me what your favorite story is that you've had on the Sea of Thieves as we start getting into this holiday season and being thankful for the things that we have. What's something that you had out on Sea of Thieves that you were thankful for? Are you thankful for the time where you're sailing with a reaper's chest to Daggertooth Outpost and you don't get hit by a kraken or a ghost ship or a skelly ship, sorry, or a, a megalodon and it totally ruins your plans? What are you thankful for? Let me know what your stories are and I will get them into the podcast this month to help celebrate what we're thankful for uh, and to celebrate the holidays and, and give some give some good stories to the community. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me just to, to, for whatever, if you want to talk to me, there's plenty of ways to do that. The best way is obviously going to be in the Discord where I troll around uh, and make sure that people are doing good things and uh, are getting getting together and having fun talking about the things that they're enjoying. Um, right now, a lot of people are trying to get some of the last few things in before December 11th because that's when all the new uh, content goes. And that stuff isn't going to the archive, by the way. Everything that's available right now will not be in the archive. It's only starting in December uh, with the new update. So try and get buy what you need to if you need to and get it before it goes out of the uh, the game in the um, the next few days. So that's coming out this week. Don't forget. 
If you want to get a hold of me, though, definitely join the Discord. Uh, get a hold of me through Twitter at CAPT underscore LOGUN. If you're listening to this on YouTube, feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to like, subscribe, all that good YouTube jazz that I don't really get too deep into because I mostly focus on it being an audio uh, medium for everyone. So if you're looking at a stagnant image and you're wondering why it's so boring all the time, that's why. Um, but I do love that you listen to it on YouTube. I do appreciate that. And other than that, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. If you want to get a hold of me through Xbox, you can always send me a message on Xbox at C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-O-G-U-N. And I think that's it. Oh, I've always got merch out. So if you are a family member or a friend and you want to help support me with the podcast and get your your loved one a, uh, a, a, a t-shirt representing Keelhauled, I went out to uh, the Sacramento Gaming Expo today and uh, I represented Keelhauled. And it ended up uh, getting us um, uh, a new listener. Someone actually recognized Sea of Thieves, and I got to talk about Sea of Thieves at the gaming expo, which was really awesome. Uh, so I really, I always, uh, always appreciate getting a chance to to talk about that. So Lita, thank you for for uh, getting some photos and talking to me about your uh, son um, and and his his not presence at the gaming expo because he was playing Sea of Thieves. I, I love that as an excuse for not going to a gaming expo. Um, but again, there's merchandise. Links are always in the show notes as well as uh, links to anything that I grabbed information from uh, as far as um, content-wise goes. So that's always in the show notes. And Pirates, I think that's going to do it. A little bit longer episode. So um, if the rant in the middle of the episode got a little too ranty uh sorry again um until we till we start seeing some of these things uh get remedied it's it's going to be on on the forefront of my mind um and then once you know once everything is fixed and whatnot then everyone's all like oh i don't remember this game being that bad where's the content so you know how this works anyway pirates thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves <laughs>